Gobble, gobble, folks. Welcome to episode number five of Unrelenting, unrelenting.show. I am Darren O'Neill. He is Gene Nevtuliev, and it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> you feeling thankful this year, Gene? Oh, I'm always thankful. Uh, man, this feels like episode 105, not five. It does, doesn't it? I mean, things are just mm-hmm. either flying or going really slow, or I don't know what it is. Oh, I know what it is. It's probably because we've talked on the phone 105 times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if we would have just and, recorded all of that. And the last time we were talking, I said... We need to not talk about this and save it for the podcast. Yeah. Now, if the NSA, CIA, FBI, if they could just provide us with the uh, transcripts and the tapes of those phone calls, we would have a lot more content. You know, somebody already did that bit. <laughs> they, they did a bit about uh, using the um, the recordings that the government has and the Freedom of Information Act to request them in order to put out a podcast. I can't remember who did it. was some comedian not a bad idea maybe, maybe it was a joe rogan type or something could have been but one of those comedians with a podcast you know it's the holiday week which normally in uh, our childhood this was kind of the week where no news ever happened but this is a different world and well, there's plenty of news there's the news of what's going to be for dinner yes well <laughs> and then it was the turkeys being pardoned by the president that was always a big deal it made no sense to me they're still eating turkey why do you get a pardon one and eat another one what's it well isn't that literally what goes on in america now is some people are just picked for you know various reasons presidents yeah and then mm-hmm. you know they get the thing and the other people don't get the thing so are you calling carl carl are you calling carl rittenhouse a turkey uh, kyle maybe uh <laughs> he is uh, well, i'm gonna call him carl for carl rittenhouse yeah, that'll confuse people or at mm-hmm. least the uh the transcripts but that was last we spoke was on friday of last week when the verdict came in yes because we always do our podcasts on the same thursday which is a friday or wednesday or a thursday depending on the day of the week exactly and today we're doing it on wednesday but we're releasing on thursday and then it all it all works out but that verdict had just come in and you're hearing it on sunday and you're hearing it on sunday and monday and friday but how much do you think because right on the heels Mm-hmm. Of the Rittenhouse verdict, which was big news. Obviously, I covered this, what MSNBC was saying mm-hmm. about this on the show I do with Larry Blydner called Planet Rage. Yeah, this- that's the show where you have to speed up everyone's voices because they're too low a frequency and you can't hear anything. Yeah, we need to have somebody with a higher voice on the show mm. just to break things up a bit. But the Aren't media get, is uh, doubling Dame, down. Uh, yeah, 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 they are. And then on the heels of that, on the heels of a bunch of left wing psychopaths on the mainstream media telling us why everybody is a white supremacist and Kyle Rittenhouse only got off because he's white and this is all Mm -hmm. white, white, white. Do you think this had any effect on the lunatic that went and killed, what is it, six people now at the Waukesha Parade. Do you think that yeah. maybe had something to do with that? And, uh, yeah, including kids and uh, injured, like, 42. Yeah. Which, I mean, we ought to talk about how dangerous guns are. Every time the stupid gun mm-hmm. argument comes up, I say the same thing, Gene, and that is, you know, 
cars are just as dangerous and here we oh, go they're more dangerous yeah cars not gonna run out of ammo that's true you can go i mean yeah you can go for yeah a no and I, I you know to trying to make a little levity out of the situation which is very dark i, yes. I made some posts talking about how is it in the time that we start looking at regulating or maybe even banning um uh you know sport utility vehicles because really they're they're assault vehicles they're you know there's something that needs to be taken off the streets and then there a few other people joined in that was hilarious because it just started building on itself uh to where uh you know does anyone really need a vehicle with more than five gallons of gas in it right i mean really it's that just presents an extra danger and and allows people to go on these rampages for longer distances. Well, uh, and there wouldn't, wouldn't we assault. all be safer? Yeah. Yeah. But there is an assault on vehicles and it's been going on now. I mean, it's funny because you go back to Barack Obama, who I remember clearly saying that once he was elected president, people were no longer going to be wanting to drive SUVs. They're going to want to do what's right for the planet and people will move to smaller vehicles. And I, I haven't noticed that yet. I mean, I know there's a push for electric. Well, vehicles. he did. He did uh, during his tenure have that whole clunker junker thing, which basically destroyed a tremendous amount of uh, of historic cars in the U.S. Right. Uh, that were perfectly drivable. But people took the opportunity to upgrade their vehicle. And instead of those vehicles, like has happened for 100 years being resold by the used car dealers so people that are in lower financial brackets can still afford to drive a nice luxury car because now it's five or ten years old rather than that happening they had to by law destroy those vehicles by running the engines dry with no oil until they seized up or drilling the blocks so that they cannot be repaired I mean, it was the craziest thing. It was a way to uh, to promote car buying by effectively destroying the alternative purchase, which would have been a used car. Yes. And when it comes down to it, the cost of a used car is still way less, even though some of the newer vehicles, not all, have better gas mileage. That's what was being pushed. Well, you need the well, that was the bullshit that was being rolled uphill. Yeah. The reality was this is a a subsidy bill to Detroit. That's all it was. Social. Well, it was socialism. It was taking money from one people and giving it to another. Just that's what the government does. Well, it's even worse than socialism because it's giving money to a corporation and taking it from people rather than taking money from one person and giving it to another person. That's when they call it a stimulus or something like that. They give it funny names. But in this case of the parade in Waukesha. So crazy dude in an SUV who was out on bond for something else two days prior, I believe, including an offense where he ran somebody over with his SUV intentionally. This really is shedding some light on what well, you're been bearing the on. headline. It's not a crazy dude. It's a black rapper. No. who has used that same vehicle in one of his videos. That's hard to believe. Well, believe it or not, that that we have video evidence of. Yes. And I mean, Waukesha, Wisconsin, for those of you who may not be aware, because, well, it's Wisconsin. 
is a town that has three and a half percent of their population is black. So it's a pretty white town. I thought it was Chicago suburb. Waukesha? Well, no. I mean, it's a few hours across the border. Yeah. Right. That's where the band, the Bodines are from, baby. Not, not that, of course, anyone would ever cross the border from Illinois into Wisconsin. Well, yes. I mean, state borders, people think really hard before they go across the state border in this country. There's sometimes even a sign. There's, (laughs) I would hope there's at least a sign. I really, I've never. uh, Depends if you're on a major highway or not. I've never come across the the checkpoints, though, where they uh, stop you and ask you what you're doing and then search your car and mm. then do the. Anal well, that's cavity California. Th- those are only in California right now. Oh, well, people in California like the anal cavity search. People in California like a lot of things, including Governor Newsom. The fact that a black guy who was a career criminal who wasn't behind bars because of the lenient laws goes and kills a bunch of white people, old white people, young white people. He went into the crowd and made a zigzag pattern, which, uh, you know, it wasn't like this was just was somebody trying to maximize damage. Yes. This wasn't somebody that was just freaked out, high on drugs, didn't know where he was, because people will probably make those kind of uh, defense excuses. arguments. Yeah. Excuses. Right. But that doesn't seem to be the case because uh, you don't make these zigzag massive carnage pattern with the vehicle when you're slamming your way through a crowd without knowing what you're doing and then fleeing the scene of course well i think this was clearly racially motivated i would and think I, that's a think very black america needs to own up to this and take care of their problem but they don't which i mean this is what's been said about chicago for decades which is if the neighborhoods that all this stuff was going on in here in Chicago, really wanted to clean things up, they could do so. I mean, I understand there's a fear quotient when you're dealing with gangbangers and stuff like that because people don't want to get shot. But there comes a time when your daily life is now basically being a hostage in your own home, not having stores nearby where you can go shop because they've all closed because they're tired of getting robbed to the hilt. and. We have a media, which is the biggest problem, which has portrayed uh, Donald Trump, the last president, as nothing but a racist and anybody that would vote for him as a racist. They did the same thing to Kyle Rittenhouse, which was obviously he's a racist and he went out trying to look and kill black people, even though he didn't kill any black people. He killed two white guys. But I mean, you don't want to. The facts shouldn't get in the way of a good story. And if you don't believe that there's more people like this rapper in Waukesha who went out with his SUV and mowed down a bunch of people who don't think after hearing this constantly that it's all the white people's fault. They're all racist. They're the reason why these were anti-Black Lives Matter. They think the war is on. And because they think the war is on, it kind of makes the war on, doesn't it? It does. No, and that that's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because the war is on. Absolutely. You think there's going to be another Barack Obama elected in the next hundred years? I don't know, but no, the answer is no, there will not be. And it is going to be because of the policies of the Democrats and the actions of racists like this guy that just plowed through a parade, killing mass murdering. He didn't kill. He murdered a massive amount of people there and injured more than have been injured in any school shooting that I can think of. Yes. 
and somebody I mean, pointed out it was and this police. was absolutely 100 according to his recordings to videos of him racially motivated yes and the who is the real racist here and he's from milwaukee and the milwaukee papers already that's not on the front page like a day after all this because they don't want to cover it i mean you had to cover what happened but do you think they're going to want to look in do you think msnbc is going to be doing an in-depth look at this guy and why he did what he did no now if he was white and he went into a black neighborhood and mowed down a bunch of people it would be 24 7 yeah he clearly would have been a kkk member yeah yeah and it would be 24 7 news on msnbc it would be on cnn it would be on the big three networks all white people are responsible for him if if it would have been a white guy driving through a black neighborhood and this is systemic racism that the whole country is racist because it happened yes but because this guy happens to be black now all of a sudden his motivation which is he stated it himself was racial now that's being ignored because he's given the pass because that's inconvenient for the mainstream media yeah and and i think it is a victim portray whether people will be willing to admit it publicly is a question but do you think this changes attitudes of the people that voted for barack obama you bet your ass it does you know, I because don't know. nobody wants to be on the wrong side of a, a race war. No, but I think logical people understand that you cannot. Lo- Parades will be canceled in America for the rest of the year. Oh, I wouldn't doubt that in many small towns for fear of something like yes. this happening. Yes. And this and, and if you think that has no impact on people's voting, then you're smoking something better than I am. Well, I think it has an impact, but I'm hoping. Although I don't know. This has been a very weird time over the last few years. I'm hoping that most people who aren't completely brainwashed by the mainstream media understand that this black guy doesn't represent the whole black culture just as much as Kyle Rittenhouse as a white guy didn't represent the white culture. And no one person. I think Kyle does represent the white culture. I think Kyle did exactly the right thing, which have been the culture of America, which has been predominantly a white culture. That's just real reality. Individual. You know, this is you you can't put too much on any one person. You know, it's it's a little disingenuous to do that and try to. Oh, well, he embodies everything. I mean, you may think that is the case and that's fine. But this isn't, you know, this concept, and we've heard it, and this is where the nuts on the left have been annoying over the last few years, which is, well, because of the, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse and the way that was covered, of course, because of Donald Trump, and he's a horrible racist, even though they continue to lie and say he said things he didn't like to find people on both sides, he meant the Nazis, even though he said right after he didn't mean the Nazis, they keep lying about that kind of stuff to portray the racist division. I still hope that, you know, normal people can see through that, but maybe they can't. Maybe they can't see through the smokescreen. Maybe this is just going to continue to get worse. And I don't know. Yeah, I think it will. I think uh, and I I don't know if I talked to you about the the 80 year cycle, but I think we've got another 18 months of it getting worse before it starts getting better. And by starting to get better, I mean just starting. Because so, 18 months would put us 
about well a few months after the midterm elections here is there a reason for the timing or yeah it's that this is an adl cycle that's been going on for about 900 years well that's an interest that's even better than the uh, six-month cycle that no agenda talks about is it i think so 80 years this is a much bigger cycle I mean, our it, it is bigger. a big cycle, and John keeps threatening to write a book about it, but uh, another friend of mine already wrote about a book about it many years ago, and I sent a copy to John and Adam. And what um, is the cycle? What is actually, you know, what is this? So uh, the cycle predicting? is a cycle between individualism and collectivism. Okay, so everybody and it's goes a pendulum. It's a pendulum be- that swings from one to the other. And passes through the this middle point uh, on every pass. So it's an eighty-year round trip, and a forty-year uh, one extreme to the other extreme. So we have forty years, kind of going, you know, from the middle all the way to a radical, and then so nineteen eighty-three was considered the the high point of individualism. Ronald Reagan was president. Mm-hmm. Well, Miami Vice was on TV, right? Yeah, one of the best TV shows ever made. Some good music out there. Best music ever made. <laughs> I could see Absolutely. where that would be. Individualism was strong. People were allowed uh, to have differing opinions. And yet the the races seem to be getting along. I mean, this is in 83. I'm thinking oh, it was years a old. post-racist world. Yes. There it, was no racism. I had black friends, you know, uh, before that in 83 but certainly by 83 you didn't even really give a shit what color friends you had no i mean i absolutely i grew up in a white suburb of chicago yeah. but then i went to a uh, catholic high school which you know address was on the south side of chicago i mean it was a nice neighborhood Ooh, south side but mm-hmm. it, it was a lot of black students as well and it's like there was no culture shock there was no, no. i mean the biggest thing was there was a guy whose name was it was Duran or however, but it was the same name. It was just weird. It's like, oh, you say it differently. Okay. Yeah. That was that was about the difference of your. Yeah. And, and you looked at the, you know, baseball players uh, like Kirby Puckett and oh, football players and all these guys that were really providing examples uh, through sports of what kids are aspiring to. There was no racist view of that there was no uh oh you shouldn't you shouldn't like kirby because he's black right dude it wasn't like the white kids are like oh, i can't hurt back rocks and kirby sucks <laughs> yeah, no exactly everybody knew kirby pocket was yeah. one of the best hitters now, in the world in hockey we had a few fewer examples yes. of that yes a lot but, fewer examples in hockey <laughs> but it's getting a little better it's just a um but that yeah but that that's for other reasons it has nothing to do with racism no it's just who wants to be on the cold ice all the time <clears throat> dumb white guys yeah and it's, of course in curling i don't think there are any black people even still but rightfully so <laughs> nope, that's that's a little much of a waste of time i think but i know hey now it's one of my favorite sports it is zen um so consequently individualism was all about maximizing and not inhibiting individual preference you like this i like that we're both good with it no one is trying to push anybody else into a preference or into compliance with anything else um, because they think they're out of step with what they should be doing and the pendulum started swinging back throughout the 80s and by the 90s there was starting to be 
plenty of examples of political correctness. Um, and rather than uh, sort of pausing at any particular point, it continued to increase. And so the current socialist wave that we are going through is really, well, first of all, predictable. But secondly, it is uh, directly traced back to the start of the the political correct movement in the 90s. Oh, yeah. And uh, it is a direct consequence thereof. And looking at this cycle, if you look back, and there have been a number of people that talked about it, this is nothing original for me. This is just, uh, you know, based on a number of different people's writings, including one of, uh, that was a friend of mine. And uh, if you look back at the cycles, um, you definitely see a pattern. Uh, if you look back, uh, so 83 was the, the pinnacle of the, uh, of the individualism. So go back 40 years. So you have 1943. What was that? World War II. Well, that was World War II. That was the pinnacle of collectivism. Collectivism, incidentally, can be on the right or left. Collectivism is doing things for other people or for your country. It is not necessarily doing things for the Communist Party. But the Communist Party fits quite well with that because yes. they expect you to be a collectivist uh, all the time. The difference there is that the Communist Party is an authoritarian collectivism. Um, but the United States at the time was ruled by a president that really was acting like a king. Good old FDR. FDR, who had been in office more terms than George Washington said any man should be. And uh, and was, if you look at the history of lawmaking during that period, was ignoring the will of Congress and the people quite often, much like... Uh, uh, Sleepy Joe. 80 years prior to that, Abraham Lincoln did as well. So if you, so that was the, the pick. Now you go back 40 years before that to, uh, to 1903. And in 1903, you once again, you had the, the pinnacle of individualism. Uh, it was the, the golden age of technology. It was when things, well, that century, obviously. Right. It was when um, you were just coming off of uh, Teddy Roosevelt, who was absolutely an uh, example of individualism. And you go back 40 years prior to that, to 1863, and what do we have? The American Revolution. We had uh, very, Civil. very much. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, you're you're right. The war of northern aggression. So we have the the uh, very much a collectivist, yeah, American Revolution, not from England, right? As uh, the revolution from America by the free states, and um, uh, you have a uh, again this collectivist uh, kind of uh, majority think. So again, collectivism. I don't want to have people confuse collectivism with communism or socialism. Right, it could be collectivism because existed for a good cause. Well, the Nazis were just as collectivist as the um, the Russians, and they were fighting each other. Right. So, and and people don't think of the Nazis as being lefties. 
even though there's some arguments to be said that that really is the origins of the the National Socialist Party, is that they were so they were lefties. Um, and anyway, so you can you can keep going back, uh, and and so what was so you go back from uh, 1863, right? So you go back to 1823, which I don't know what the hell was going on in 1823. Uh, I have to the wild west. I'm guessing. Admit admit my ignorance <laughs> of that. Well, it was like one of the first years you weren't around. So uh, yeah, that that was actually before my time. So no no memories of that time frame at all. And then you go back to um uh it would have been forty years before that, eighteen eighty three. Seventeen eighty three. Seventeen eighty three. And then you're right at the end of the Yes, Mr. Map <laughs> American Revolution. Oh yeah, that's right. We did have that little American Revolution thing happening. Right. Uh which um you know, incidentally was also asking men to lay down their lives for the sake of the country as a group. So when we have individualism as the uh, dominant culture, we don't participate in wars. When we have, um, I'm blanking out The collectivism? Collectivism was the word I was looking for. That is generally synonymous with, a war. So, here's the question for you: Which war are we going to be in in 18 months? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. We are seeing a move. I mean, this is when it's you look at things with a little bit of um, a little bit perspective, where you can kind of step back and see how things have progressed. And it's interesting if you go, okay, where were we a year ago, two years ago, three years ago? What has changed and we really do have a wave that kind of started with all of this political correctness stuff including the you know everybody gets a trophy that was you know a big thing they when my nephew was playing t-ball and starting little league well we don't keep score that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and helicopter parenting in general yeah and that really led to a whole new generation of kids who almost have to be in a collective mindset because they don't know how to exist individually. Absolutely. Kids of not just human kids, by the way, you look at little baby animals, they act exactly the same way. They always are in groups. They're in groups because biologically we're programmed to be in a group for safety. Right. Even if the group can't defend itself, at least only some of the group will get eaten by the lion and the rest will survive. Well, yeah, if you're walking down the street in Chicago, you want to be with a group, not just one person. Absolutely. And so, I mean, the concept of gangs, whether they're in Chicago or L.A. or New York or anywhere else, is absolutely natural. <laughs> this is this is a uh, a behavior not limited to humans. The the real nastiness here is in adults controlling these gangs for nefarious purposes. But the idea of Teenagers walking around in the pack is totally normal. Well, yeah, even they were doing it long before they were gangs. It was just their buddies hanging out. You know, that's exactly, you know, this is when you just start carrying weapons and robbing people, it takes on a little bit. Well, you can carry the weapons. It's the robbing part. That's the problem. Right. And, and it's generally not somebody from the same 
age group that is controlling the bad gangs out there, whether they're Mexican gangs or, you know, gangs of street thugs or whoever, it's generally, you know, somebody 20 years older than them that's running a business illegally, an illicit business that is utilizing this natural phenomena of, of young kids and both males and females, but certainly you want the ones with testosterone to do your dirty work. So they tend to be male. Uh, was, although it's interesting because there was a lot written about when the city of Chicago went after the leaders of these gangs. And you're right. For the longest time, it was the 40 year old guys that were leading the street gangs of, you know, the 12, mainly the kids that were on the street, you know, are 12, 18 years old, whatever it yep. is. Yep. And when you had the older guys running the gangs, it was much more like the Al Capone days, which is they were shooting each other, but they were very careful not to shoot an innocent kid because those guys were running a business, as you said, and that was bad for business. And if you were a gangbanger and you shot a kid and the guy running your gang found out, well, you would probably disappear. And what they did in Chicago was they swept up all of these older gang leaders and put them in jail. And then all hell broke loose. Because there was nobody there to keep those younger guys in check, which is kind of a crazy concept when you think about it. But like the worst thing you could have done was taking those older guys who were leading these things and keeping some of the insanity in check, taking them out of the equation. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah, it. that's our system. Well, that's part of it. But I, I think it, what you're describing is what do you do with the, the kids in these gangs? Once the leader is taken away, because now they're equipped with guns, they're uh, they've been taught violence and they're um, in a power vacuum and they're in the power vacuum. But the, it's not to say that every group of kids naturally is dangerous. I no. think that there this is this is an abuse of children. In effect, this is taking a natural phenomenon of the fact that uh Kids, teenagers, uh, up to a certain age will just group up with others of similar age and not even necessarily any other similarities other than they're all the same age. They're, they're not even into things like a preference in lifestyle or anything at that point. They're, you know, they're literally looking for people that look like them that are similar, uh, to their physical size more than anything. Yeah, well, it's all uh, about survival, really, especially yeah, if you're in and an it, area. And it's, it's, all you got to do is look at it, whether it's a, a, a pride of young lions that are, you know, tumbling around, fighting each other, uh, learning how to be hunters, or whether you look at the, the young gazelles that are prancing around together as well and learning how to run fast and stay in the group constantly mixing so that a lion can't trace any single gazelle out from the group. So these are all simply biological survival tactics that have been passed on to humans as well. But then leveraging that and using it for, you know, violent or, or any kind of illicit behavior, uh, that takes more skill than the kids have. That's where the adults have to come in. And uh, what this is what you're describing is the 40 year olds that were actually running the gangs. Right. 
and they, they may have even been 30 years, but, but nonetheless, they're not the, just some random kid out of that group that becomes elected to be its leader. This is somebody that is harnessing this natural occurrence of a desire to be in a group for safety and then utilizing it to run an illicit business. Exactly. And then you have Chicago, which uh, is now, well, no different, I guess, than Baltimore and St. Louis and New York and L.A., where the violence is running rampant. Well, again, because they don't want to prosecute people for anything now. I mean, it's under the gangs are understandable. The concept is understandable. People want to belong to something. uh, And quite often people that end up in gangs don't have a two-parent household, and I know a lot of the people today want to poo-poo that whole concept. Well, right now, statistically, most kids don't have a two-parent household. It's definitely moving in that direction. But it's also an intentional thing when, although I think they have changed it now, that was originally on the Black Lives Matter Incorporated website, was we want the end of the nuclear family in America. Mm -hmm. And then you ask, why? Why would you want the end of that? And what you were just describing explains that 100%, which is because then the kids who don't have that structure, do not have two parents there to guide them. Well, where do they go for guidance? Well, they're hoping the government or some other leader of whatever group that just happens to be people that look like them. And I think Black Lives Matter knows what group they're aiming. Now, when you when you say the word gang. What's the image that pops into your mind? There's a lot of different ways you can go with that. But I mean, street gangs mainly. And what's a street gang look like? Street gang mainly looks like a bunch of people selling drugs and shooting each other. And what color are those? And having having turf wars. And here in the Chicago area, mainly black. Okay. I think in other cities. Where I'm going with this is, yeah, there's Latino gangs as well. Is that if you look at the 1940s, 1950s. We didn't have a black gang problem. We had black households where both parents were at home. We do not have that today. What we have are a lot of black men who are in prison. And even the ones that aren't in prison are generally not getting married and sticking around. And then we have the, the they're, they become the babby, the babby, the baby daddies. And the women that they had the kids with are raising these kids with effectively the U.S. government as the surrogate father. That's and the, go the U.S. government is a horrible father figure. You think? Yeah, I think so. And, and so should everyone else. And so consequently, it is much easier to have kids that want to hang out with other kids. And, you know, effectively would be in a peaceful gang, if you will, or a, you know, a gang doing pranks, a gang that maybe throws a rock at a window now and then of somebody they dislike, but not somebody that's running around killing people. Right. Not pushing drugs and shooting. That has to be weaponized by somebody else. But it's much easier to weaponize teenagers when they grew up without a father figure, because a. They're not afraid of getting punished by somebody. And I think the this is the other problem with the, the pussy culture we've got right now is this fear of punishing children. Children should not be abused, but children 
of any type, again, human, animal, and everything else, they learn by example and by interaction. When somebody does something bad and you slap their hand away, they tend to associate their first action with the second action, which is like, oh, so if I throw food at somebody else, like my brother, and my mom slaps my hand, that is, I don't feel good when that happens. So maybe I shouldn't throw food at my brother. You know, we're not talking about corporal punishment and right. leaving black and blue marks on kids. We're talking about is physical interaction with something that you have to uh, train. Right. That came out of your freaking body. And so what, what is lacking with the American government being, being the, uh, the father figure for all these kids is a lack of discipline. And in the kids, a subconscious desire to long for that, you know, strong male figure that they didn't get from the U S government that they absolutely find in the leaders of these 40 year olds, like you said, that are leaders of these gangs. This, this is a, a problem that can be fixed very quickly and easily. And it's a problem that was frankly created by the U S government. Well, right. well, that was when they wouldn't give the benefits. If there was a father in the house. Absolutely. There was a, a disincentive to have a nuclear family in the black community. And that disincentive was strong enough that it promoted this idea of not having a nuclear family. And, uh, and it was reinforced by the fact that so many black men are in prison and it, you can't point your finger at just one thing and say, well, because we incarcerated so many black men, therefore there are no black families. It's a lot more complex than that. And I think the bigger finger can certainly be pointed at the financial incentives that were given by the U.S. government to not have a father figure, a male in the house. Right. You bring in more money. Yeah. And it, but it is self-replicating because yes. the, the kids that come out of those families without the male strong male role model, uh, they end up having a much higher chance of being in prison preventing them from being the male role models to their kid. So it is a, a, a cyclical thing, unfortunately. Well, in the government, the people who make these laws have no logic, have no idea either what they're doing or they're intentionally doing it. Those are the two choices. And you can make up your own minds yeah. on a lot of this. Stuff. So I, I posted a link to a recent Candace Owens video on no agenda social. And I, I think, We'll include the link as part of the show notes in this episode to that video because it's it's very well done. Candace goes through and shows how the plantation has never gone away, how the old Democrat plantation owners have simply migrated to be the politicians that are still Democrats of the modern age, and their goal is still keeping the black people on their plantation. Yes, by pretending they're helping them. Oh, oh, absolutely. We can give you this, this, and this, as long as you can't take care of yourself, which is just such an insulting thing. It is such oh, an it, insulting but, thing. But at this point, it's it's been the message that the the been that has been uh, 
essentially propagated to black Americans for the last 40 years. It's that you need the help of the government. Otherwise, you will just simply die. Right, which is so insulting. It's like you are too dumb to make it on your own. You do not have the ability to make it on your own, but we're yeah. here to help. If you want to look at any sort of systemic racism, that's there it is right there. It, it is the system that keeps black men out of black families and keeps black women and children uh, being tied to relying on the government. The system's broken because the people in charge are either evil or idiots. Are you familiar with the new law in Boston, the abortion law? No. This I covered on Random Thoughts, another great show. R-E-N-D-U-M-B oh, what's that? Thoughts. I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's one of your favorites. You've said so. Oh, really? Yeah. No. That Did you rename it? No, I should, because no. people don't know how to spell random thoughts, but that's what you I do. I think that sounds like a misspelling to me. It is. It is. Always go for the intentional misspelling when you're hoping people can find your show. That's mm. what I always say. But Boston just passed a new law for the people that work for the city of Boston. If somebody has an abortion, mm-hmm. that person or the father, I know that's genderifying just to say that only could be a female getting an abortion and all, but both the female that is pregnant and has the abortion and the guy that got the female pregnant are both eligible if they work for the city of Boston just by asking for up to 12 weeks of paid leave to deal with the aftermath of the abortion so basically they're selling the the idea that you should get an abortion to get a vacation that's what it sounds like to me and the most interesting thing about this well not the most but part of this law was also you can ask for this anytime within the next 12 months oh my god and how do they how, how do they expect people to prove that they had an abortion because it's illegal to require any kind of medical documentation? I don't know, which means either you just have to see even better than that. What if you're the guy? Oh, yeah, I got this girl pregnant. She had an abortion. See you in three months. Well, hell, man, I, I at that point, I get four girls pregnant yes. throughout the year. Yes. And then never go to work. I mean, that's good work if you can get it. Just- uh, if you're getting paid to not work, I, I mean, that's the socialist dream, right? Yes, exactly. And the quote from the con- the uh, councilwoman or whoever that was part of this was like, well, we don't think the people that work for the city of Boston would abuse this policy that, you know, not everybody would take the time, but it's there for those who need it. And I'm like, yeah, nobody's going to abuse this policy of three months paid time off. It's nuts. And I don't know if you could only do it once in a year. I didn't see any of that. But if you could no, do it. No you know, limitations. Yeah. Yeah. There may be well, no limitations. Maybe this is a good thing. Maybe the the silver lining is that the city of Boston will just cease to function. Yes, because all of Boston city because employees all of are going to be fornicating. Exactly. Yeah, they're all no, they're all going to be abortioning. <laughs> well, maybe, but you have to fornicate to abortionate at just four times a year. Yeah, that's so, that's the kind of law, kind of like Catholics that are put into play. That it's like you scratch your head and go, "What the hell are you thinking?" That is a bizarre thing because it, uh, it's got so many layers. Uh, on the one level, you're promoting abortions by incentivizing them. Correct. On the other level, you're 
you know, you're actually kind of making the point of, of the right. Correct. In that this is a tremendous, uh, mental anguishing kind of event. Yeah. Traumatic experience. It's a traumatic experience. You could get post traumatic stress syndrome or whatever. And so there it's, it's a bizarre thing, right? It's just, it seems like, and then the last part of course is, how does any city expect to actually function when you have people disappearing for three months at a time? I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've never seen a company. Well, I guess cities don't really care whether they win or not, but um, like a company can't afford to have a bunch of its staff out on vacation at any time. This is why American companies do so much better than European companies. Is because American companies actually work their employees and European companies coddle their employees. Which is why the American companies for the longest time have won on the stuff like the tech front and that. But that may be changing, too, because we're going into that full woke cycle. Yeah. um, Well, I will absolutely bet that as there are more of these types of decisions that are adopted. Uh, in America, comp- the competitive nature of America will go down. I, I've run teams on multi- on global projects with employees that are in Australia, in England, in Germany, in the U.S., and nobody gets more things done than U.S. employees, even though all these teams have the same skill sets, all these teams are perfectly qualified. There are advantages from a company standpoint to having American teams because the speed with which they get things done is much faster than anybody else. And the reason for that, at least partly is because we have no vacations in America. And of course we're recording this on the edge of the Thanksgiving vacation, which maybe we should just phase out Thanksgiving. There's no turkeys to go around anyway. Let's just skip Thanksgiving and make it a work day this year. Well, of course Thanksgiving is being, framed by the left as a racist holiday which you know well which it is if you're a turkey well of course because those that race of turkeys it's an anti-turkey holiday it's an anti-turkey holiday yeah the race of turkeys is being attacked they know nothing that they've done well except be delicious when cooked they are rather delicious so yes (laughs) like you know it's not a it's not a coincidence And, and by the way if if people have not hunted turkey these critters are really hard to hunt. They're they're a smart bird. They're very sensitive to noise and movement. Uh, they're very fast when they choose to be, and uh, they're they're just hard to kill. Um, now, obviously, turkeys grown on a turkey farm. <laughs> all you got to do is walk in there and grab a couple turkeys and you know Snap that cut their heads off. Yep. Yeah, that's about it. But. Uh, as far as a wild bird, there was a reason that Benjamin Franklin, uh, who I never got to meet, was a uh, suggested that that the national American symbol be a turkey, right, and not the bald eagle. I mean, the turkey right. would be it would have worked out a lot better. Uh, and a turkey is uh, certainly a less common bird. Every country in Europe has a freaking eagle on their banner. Germany does. Russia does. Uh, the UK even does, I think. I, uh, somebody will have to correct me if that's not the case. But there's a lot of eagles on 
flags of Russian, well, or if not flags, on, on at least a symbol right. of European countries. But uh, I don't think there's any turkeys on any flags. We can change that. We can have, <laughs> we should have, why? So you gave us the snake as the unrelenting logo. Maybe we need a mm-hmm. turkey. We need to change that. No, yeah, I'm fond of snakes. The Well, you have that big pet snake. I do have the big pet. Yeah, he's sleeping right now. Yes, he should be. Curled up in a nice ball of three feet by three feet. But a lot of people think Thanksgiving is racist because it's doing a disservice. And I don't really understand why to the Native Americans, because the Thanksgiving holiday is a celebration of some white folks and some Native Americans who actually got along. I mean, let's let's admit it. Thanksgiving was created by Hallmark, like every other holiday. Well, of course. Uh, well, and the there people, are and the what? Who is it? Uh, the big turkey makers, you know, Jenny O. And uh, yeah, th- that's there. There is some historical record of turkeys being eaten, but that's simply because turkeys were, you know, edible things that were on the East Coast. Well, the original three day feast didn't have turkey when it came down to uh, the first Thanksgiving. So there's. There's that. It wasn't a turkey holiday. It's been bastardized. It was a what? A, well, what kind of holiday was it? What What did they have? They they had pigs, probably. They had like oysters. And I mean, Bill O'Reilly covered oysters. this because Bill O'Reilly is the historian that I go to when, mm. when trying to figure out all this stuff. And uh, that is I, mean, I can pull it up. But he had a whole thing on the first Thanksgiving and just how crazy all of this stuff. Yeah, I know O'Reilly's old. I don't think he's that old. You, you didn't. I thought you ran into him first in like the 1800s or something like that. I mean, I thought, no, I definitely did not run into him in the 1800s. No, you, you were somewhere else. You were probably out of the country at the time. You never know. Got to log in. Yeah, I. It, we do know that American early American settlers. Uh, they they hunted deer. They, yes, I believe, yeah, I believe deer was they definitely hunted part peasant, of it. And they did learn to hunt turkey, even though it was a hard animal to shoot. Well, that's why you go on turkey shoots. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like a turkey shoot, I think, is misnomer because a turkey is not easy to shoot. Well, that's why it would take skill. Yeah, it does take skill. Absolutely. Which, uh, I mean, nobody <laughs> has skills anymore, right? That's now, the problem. <clears throat> my ex-wife actually caught a turkey, a wild turkey. How? By hand. And then the turkey went, leave me alone or no. And then the, the turkey <laughs> tried to bite her and she let it go. <laughs> well, that makes sense. <clears throat> yeah. But I was, I was shocked at the fact that she actually managed to catch this damn turkey. Must have and snuck she, up on she it. She was fearless, man. Yeah. She snuck up on it and then just ran and grabbed its neck. O'Reilly also and, covered that Biden at Fort Bragg was there for a friends giving service. So we, can we not say Thanksgiving anymore? Is that, is that racist? But the White House reported it as a, friends giving service what's a it's when you give friends that's what on friends was i think that where that originally began where they all got together and it was all friends giving i don't why what does that makes no fucking sense i know i'm sorry that makes no fucking sense i know the i think the i may be wrong on this but the original point of the holiday that hallmark created was to give thanks to god for providing the harvest that's hence it's a fall holiday post-harvest and people back then at least the ones that we can trace thanksgiving back to were 99.9 percent christians 
Now, this is the uh, this is from O'Reilly from his last broadcast. This day in history. Love this story. 1621. We're talking 400 years ago. A bunch of pilgrims were here. They were having a hard time freezing in Plymouth, Minas- Massachusetts. Yeah, Minnesota, yeah. you were going to say. I, I wanted to. I wanted to say that. Uh, Indian chief named Squanto came along. Squanto was a good guy. Squanto is a fake name. Come on. That's what they're saying. This he was a real guy. He no, wound up in that's Spain a fake name. and somehow came back here. But they said they had a three day feast. Wait, did you say Squanto was born in Spain? He wound up in Spain and then got back to America. He was captured, sold into slavery, made his way to Spain and then back to America. Hold on. Hold on. He was sold into slavery before America existed. I guess, or well, at the same possibly time. have been selling slaves back then. <laughs> Not me. I guess I need to need to do some more history. Uh, sounds like the British to me. Probably if you wound up back in Spain, it said, but here's the menu. No, that's uh, probably Spanish then if he ended up in Spain. It says no turkey. There was deer, duck, geese, oysters, lobster, eel, and fish. Pumpkins were consumed, but of course not as mm-hmm. a pie. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was a three-day feast, but no turkey involved. So I don't, I don't know. know that that's accurate, though, because I don't know that that you could say something wasn't there. You could say something was there, but you can't really exclude Turkey. I don't know. That Maybe it just wasn't done. There. We need to do the history of turkeys. I'm sure somebody out there knows exactly yeah. the history well, of turkeys. Out of the things you mentioned, Turkey would be the hardest to kill. Definitely. Deer, duck, geese, oyster. Yeah, lobster. deer are not very hard. No. Deer are they, they just stop and stare when they're frightened. They don't like run away. They get well. Basically, deer give you somewhere between two and five seconds of complete stillness to shoot them. Right where they look at before you before like, they uh-oh. jump away. Right, that fight and flight takes a couple of seconds. Yeah, yeah, they're basically just overgrown rats. <laughs> and then, um, well, they're related. And then. Um, what was it? Eels? Eels. Those are super easy to catch. Yes. And fish. Lobster, which would be fish. good. Oysters lobster, and lobster. You know, Shit. water insects. Those are fucking easy. Yeah. That would be a good Thanksgiving uh, dinner, though. I mean, duck, I, if somebody invited duck, you over and said they were having uh, lobster, I'd be like, all right. Thanksgiving lobster. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, we can't afford a turkey this year. <laughs> we're doing Thanksgiving lobster instead. <laughs> that sounds like somebody you know. I mean, okay, so this is a pivot point and a good one, I think, because our our friend Adam Curry likes to make fun of people eating bugs. What the hell do you think a lobster is? Sea bug. What do you think shrimp are? Yeah, little sea bugs. Crabs, lobster, shrimp. These are all bugs. They're closely related to the bugs that you're making fun of. Yes. I mean, if you were to take a lobster. Because they live in water, they're larger. Yes. Well, if you were to take a lobster and shrink that same thing down to insect size, you'd be like, that's a bug. Yeah. Totally. It is a bug, but and if you were to expand, meat. if you were to blow only if cooked right, uh, if you were to blow up a uh, and by blow up I don't mean explode, but I mean enlarge a cockroach to the size of a lobster. Oh, is this is are they doing this in Fauci's lab? <laughs> oh yeah, totally. That's exactly <laughs> what they're doing. There was actually a great movie that was sort of dark and. Uh, uh well I like I like dark sort of movies. I, I could damn. not I'm have gonna I'm that. gonna try yeah, I know, I know, right? It's a dystopian movie, which is always fun. And and it involves some interesting sort of imagination. It's a movie about some people that go in as testers of a new software game. 
a new game, w- which is completely fully immersive. So it's sort of like VR, but to the next level. Like it's more like the Matrix, where you're plugged in, and more like reality. And the yeah, and the the movie uh, the game starts off seeming very normal, realistic. Like you're not even sure if you're in the game yet. And then slowly transitions to more bizarre, strange sort of things. Uh, And I'm trying to remember the name of the movie. It'll come to me. I'll stick it in the show notes for sure. Um, Because I know at least one of the actors, so I can dig down through MDB. Now, is this where they were taking the cockroaches and making them huge so you could have them as a feast? Uh, there was, there was scenes in that movie where it seemed like there were maybe like, you know, dog size insects. Interesting. Yeah. There's another movie like that. That's remembered as well called naked lunch. If you haven't seen, that's a kind of a dark dystopian movie, which I like. And, uh, uh, naked lunch also has some interesting shall we say bug moments in it mm, bug yes. moments there's the yeah there there are references to bugs are, um, we, are we going to kind of like the joe rogan in his fear factor days or he was making people like eat bugs and go into a vat of bugs and that kind of thing uh so Na- naked lunch is based on bill burroughs book uh william burroughs is uh well-known writer that wrote uh i guess in the 50s i think so i, I want to say this was written sometime in the late 50s maybe and it is semi-autobiographical about how he shot his wife uh it's it's a great movie i strongly recommend people watch it if you haven't it might be on amazon it might be on you know it came it, out in it like, might be somewhere on this thing they call the internet i don't understand it, it, it but it might out be there in 91 so it's it's a movie that came out what 30 years ago should we do like a weekly jeans movie pick something like that i i generally have a lot of stuff that i can recommend and because i've seen a lot of movies should we restart i, I downloaded the whole series of Miami Vice. Should we start doing like a Miami Vice rewatch and then uh, and talk about how I would be up for that? I think going episode by episode would bore the hell out of people because it's basically the exact same scenario over and over. You'd have to take a few episodes at a time and yeah. then just see how it relates to things I going mean, on now. I do think that if someone hasn't seen that show, that it, it would be good to rewatch it. But, you know, I bet you there are a lot of people who have not seen Miami Vice. I don't think we have any listeners under 50 years old, so I'm not sure about that. I think sure there's a few. You think? Yeah, we know. There's uh, mm. you know, a dude named Kyle. He's a millennial. There's the NA millennial. There's a few millennials listening to this that maybe were not around when it was originally on. And if you can get past the, the really- Hairstyles? Yeah, that's really it. The hairstyle. I've been watching the uh, head of the class with Howard Hessman in it, who played Dr. Johnny Fever. Yeah. And he did a show. This was in the late 80s. Yeah. So the, the students were about the same age as that I was. was early 90s. Was, so it's about the same time. Yeah. And yeah. Was, it was a, really really a well done show. And there was a lot yeah. of stuff because okay. he plays a history teacher in the show. They talk about a lot of stuff going on then and historically. And I'm like, can never make that show now. And he was kind of a lefty then, but I don't yes. think you would see him that way today. You probably 
you know, he's not as he was definitely a liberal teacher in the mm-hmm. series. Yeah. But not a crazy liberal and that, not, a, not a communist. Right. Definitely yeah. not a communist. And this is where we need to make that break. This is where people need to understand the Overton window, how things are changing slowly. And it, it makes sense. Your 80 year cycle, that pendulum going mm-hmm. back and forth because these things take some time to happen. If all of this stuff, if we were to jump back 20 years ago and implement all the changes that have happened in the 20 years since instantaneously, people would revolt. But when they happen a little bit at a time, people don't pay attention or they go, ah, you know, that's well, just it's, compromise. It's the old uh, putting, a, you know, an insect into cold water and then boiling them. Yeah. Thing. Exactly. And you don't notice. It's well, the old frog in a pot. That's, that was Bemrose always went to that. You must listen to a lot of that grumpy old Benz. He loved the frog in the pot thing. Did he? Yeah. Mm. That was his go-to. Well, that's a good go-to. I mean, it, it, I think it certainly can be used as a good analogy for a lot of things. Well, that def- definitely shows the mentality of a lot of people today, which is. Yeah. Okay. So I, I just. You I found the name of the movie. I have been IMDb. <laughs> How did you know? You're looking over my shoulder, goddammit. Yeah, they've got the cameras on. You do have. Well, that's true. I do have the camera. Now, you guys aren't showing the camera right now. We're still testing. But we'll we'll have the cameras on soon enough. So the movie that I was referencing was called Existence, spelled E-X-I-S-T-E-N-Z. Ooh, fancy, like random thoughts. And another good movie is Gattaca, spelled G-A-T-T-A-C-A. Now that I've heard of. Existence, you haven't seen it? I had not. I, you have never seen Gattaca? I, I well, the same I actor is in both movies. It goes back a while, but I may have. Uh, and a pretty good actor. I've always liked him. And that would be? Or do we have to uh, Jude Law. Oh, nice. An early Jude Law movie then. Yeah, like when he was young. That uh, was, yeah. That so, was. so there's the three movie recommendations. Gattaca existence and naked lunch and for television miami and all three of them amazingly are dark dystopian movies where miami vice is dark but happy at the same time it's light it's like (laughs) it miami vice is a is a fun fun thing but there again so you can see that movies like gadiga which were made in the 90s late 90s movies like existence made in the late 90s um they they started showing this fear that was starting to build up of a collectivist dystopia and that was 30 years ago in the 80s in the 80s we had shows like miami vice which was absolutely not even thinking about a collectivist dystopia in the 80s, we had uh, everybody celebrating their individuality by the style of dress, by the hairstyles, by everything else. You know, it's funny seeing these uh, kids these days with blue hair walking around. And it's not just kids, of course, but there are plenty of college students walking around with blue hair. And uh, they think this is like very antisocial, right? This is showing the man that they're individuals. Right. Well, two things that are funny. One is that all of them are doing it at the same time. So you're not individual. No individuality. And two, 
I remember this back in the early nineties, late eighties. And it's, it's even, even really, I mean, you could go back to the late seventies with the punk movement where you had pink and purple hair and green hair. I don't think there was a whole lot of blue back then though. Do you remember that? No, I no. do not. But Although certainly the hair dyes have gotten much better. They have gotten better. Absolutely. I think they, they, I don't know if they're any better for your hair, but the, the colors that they can do now are brighter for sure. Um, but that whole idea of having your colored hair and, uh, you know, having leather jackets with studs and safety pins in them, uh, and having multiple piercings, like this is literally the stuff that not even their parents, this is the stuff their grandparents were doing. Yeah. Not exactly breaking new ground. Yeah. So if you want to insult one of these zoomers that just looks like they're trying too hard, just give them a compliment. Say you look just like your grandparents did at your age. (laughs) Nice. And you see how they react. Now, as far as your 80 year cycle thing, where would we have been in 1949? So that's almost just 49 was just on the path to recovery from collectivism. Now, is that any surprise that that's the year 1984 came out? Uh, so 1984 warns of the dangers of collectivism. Right. Uh, it less so communism, but definitely collectivism for sure. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's it, like it was certainly the peak of collectivism would have been fresh in the memory of uh what's the guy's name uh of uh, george orwell orwell's yeah and you're seeing things are getting better but it's kind of like a warning of things that could happen again yeah uh it's i think that and he picked 1984 which is also interesting why pick that year did he know about the 80 year cycle was he just off you know it's interesting that I mean, it could have just been a random date. Well, I've never the, done the history. I, what I've why. heard is, is he, the book was written in 48. And he just flipped numbers around to 84. Okay, that would make sense. So it was more random than anything else. I mean, it's like, why is 2001 Space Odyssey a 2001 Space Odyssey? Well, because that's what had happened. Because it's the beginning of a new millennium. Ooh. And so it's consequently, clearly, this completely invented calendar that we're using that has no meaning other than historically it's been used in the past clearly round numbers mean something special to humans well of course the round numbers are big i mean we're at number five today of unrelenting the the (laughs) death call (laughs) yes it's a good thing you should keep changing the name of the podcast before you hit 100 every time right just keep it right under that big mark where everybody under 100 because there's nobody there is no benefit to having large round numbers like 1400 for podcasts. Exactly. None at all. Nope. Uh, all right. So we talked about movies. We'll have links to those three to the IMDBs of those three movies. Make sure you remind me if I forget to send them to you. Uh, what else we got to talk about? We talked about Carl Rittenhouse. <laughs> yes. Uh, Walker it shot. sounds to me like you might be getting the COVIDs there the way you're coughing. Could be. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, careful. I just, yeah, I found out one guy and you just got the COVIDs. I've got the Johnson and Johnson jab, so I feel safe. Oh, no, no, no. See, that expires in less than three months. Well, that's okay. I got the second one, too. Oh, well, that one expires in two months. See, I'm fine, though. It's within two months, so that's good. Okay. 
Okay, just make sure you keep getting more and more of them. The AstraZeneca in the UK actually appears to be working better than the mRNA ones. Ooh, big surprise, Mm. which is kind of uh, an interesting thing. And the mRNA ones, there was a study which actually seemed to be legit. I mean, because there's so much bad information out there on both sides. But there does seem to be now a tie to the mRNA vaccines and all of the heart issues that are happening. So, mm-hmm. you know, be aware of well, that. Well, there, there's also uh, a, and I, I don't think we need to post this in the podcast, but I did stick out a link of the video on Nogen Social of um, a, I don't know if he's in the U.S. or Britain, but a doctor, um, well, he's not a doctor. He He is a scientist. He is a, I believe, he has doctor credentials, but he's basically doing research work. But talking about the the new data coming out on the spike proteins interfering with DNA repair uh, inside the uh, the cells uh, in the nucleus. So apparently, the spike protein actually is getting into the nucleus and chemically preventing DNA from being fixed. So uh obviously way more research needs to be done on this but we could end up in a situation where we have a whole generation of people that end up having much shorter lives because they're once your dna starts to get corrupted then it's just a matter of short time until you're dead yeah it's a bad thing we yeah because cells have to keep replicating there there's a natural death that happens to cells on a regular basis I'm sure everyone's heard that you shed your skin four times a year so that unlike a snake, you don't replace it one whole layer at a time, but you're always dropping little tiny bits of dander, which are skill cell skin cells that are dead and just flake off your body. Now, how that happens to all cells, not just skin, obviously. How is this spike protein different? Because we were told when this all started, well, this is a coronavirus. It's the well, remember the way that the the the. Oh, uh, this is just not from the virus. The spike protein from the um, from the uh, the vaccines, because the the way this new mRNA vaccine works in a very simplified way is it's actually rather than delivering pieces of the pathogen, which is what most vaccines have done, right? For the inactive years, virus. Yeah. Um. What what this is doing is actually sending mRNA into your uh cells in which presumably are your cells in your arm which is the spot that it's chosen um into your muscle cells specifically to take the mrna instructions out of the vaccine and then produce the spike proteins analogous to the virus and then once they're produced for your um for your white blood cells for you for your uh, entire immune system to then notice that wait a minute this looks like a foreign substance i'm going to start attacking it just because your body produced it doesn't mean it's not a foreign substance in fact that's how all viruses work is they enter uh, a cell and then they start sending out mrna for the cell to replicate them instead of replicating the DNA or other proteins the cell would normally be doing. So a virus effectively 
commissions the cell that it invades to just start producing more of the virus. We're using in this mRNA uh, vaccine literally the same process. We're essentially infecting people with a uh, custom engineered virus whose job it is to produce the The exoskeleton of the virus that we're trying to kill. So from a conceptual standpoint, this is super neat. That's a technical term. Right. Super neat. Super neat. And it is a very sci-fi and very cool. And the fact that we can actually do it, uh, you know, thanks to technologies like CRISPR and, and really fully, um, documenting the human genome that was done, you know, back what 20 years ago. It, now we're able to utilize the cellular machinery. Uh, of transcription and protein synthesis to be able to build custom things inside of cells. The problem isn't with the technology. The problem is with the lack of long-term studies to see the effects of the technology. And some of those effects that are starting to come around are that this little protein that is being created, the, the spike protein, that is meant to be created in order for our immune system to learn to deal with it has some side effects and the side effects are not particularly good because it's, it's starting to look like the side. And again, keep in mind, this is not medical advice. What I'm doing is summarizing uh, an article and a video, but it appears that some of these side effects uh, may include a reduced ability of your body to fix broken DNA. And DNA is extremely fragile, as you can imagine. And there are processes within the DNA framework, uh, within the machinery that is actually replicating DNA, to be able to uh, sense and then uh, fix things like breaks within the DNA chain. So uh, if that process is interfered with, it could very well end up being the case that uh, this this is much, much more dangerous than in terms of limiting life than the numbers that we've seen out of the actual COVID virus. Yeah, which is it's still troublesome to me that nobody breaks anything. And I get it. It muddles the waters greatly, but there are multiple vaccines of multiple different technologies that are being used. And I haven't really seen anything. And if I'm just missing something, everybody can feel free to shout me, you know, shout at me or send a link or whatever that, you know, the differences between all of these vaccines, because they work in vastly different ways and they have vastly different side effects. I'm well aware of the Johnson and Johnson and I believe the AstraZeneca, which is the same type of vector type vaccine that it causes blood clots in about one in a million people. But otherwise, doesn't seem to have any of the heart issues that the mRNA ones are having, which if that's true, I don't know why the mRNA is still being so widely pushed and the other ones are kind of being oh, it's super neat. Uh-huh. It's super neat. And maybe it's just all about, you know, following the money again, which, you know, I don't know that yeah. that would be a bigger uh, story for me, which is. Well, you know, we found out that the Pfizer and Moderna was way more dangerous, but, you know, they were making way more money. And the Johnson and Johnson, that nah, they weren't making enough money. There weren't enough kickbacks coming in. There wasn't whatever. 
that I would like to see somebody breaking these things down to, you know, side effects. Well, unfortunately, per, you're not allowed to. I know. So there. I know, which makes it impossible to come to a reasonable conclusion yeah. on a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And then there, one of the last uh, episodes of uh, the Dark Horse podcast, uh, they talked about a paper that that was published in a very reputable um, publication that I can't think of off the top of my head, but I've, I've read their stuff before. Uh, was where it the Lancet it, or one of those? It was, it was, yeah, it was on that scale. It wasn't the Lancet. It was one of the other ones. It was like the, the something Elevere journal or something. I can't remember the name of it, uh, off top, but I have read stuff from there before I subscribe to the, um, the mailings from the Mayo clinic. So all the new research stuff that comes out, uh, I, I generally get those in email, but there's a, uh, there was a, this paper that specifically talked about uh the uh the issues with that you brought up actually with the um the heart problems arising out of the mrna COVID, no or well, COVID itself out of COVID itself right and then talking about how uh this the the vaccines seem to have uh a so the the problems arising out of it, uh, out of the you know, for a certain percentage of people out of COVID itself, with um, uh, what was the the actual condition? Do you the remember the myocarditis? Myocarditis, right, right. Is that it is also statistically significantly stimulated by the vaccine as well. So you're avoiding COVID, but you're getting the same risk from the vaccine that you would had you had COVID. Right, of which kind of makes sense because. When you get a virus, this happens, you know, not just with COVID, but other viruses have been known to cause myocarditis, which it's oh, usually yeah. you know, pretty mild, but it is an inflammation of the heart muscle. But it yeah. makes sense. It's, that it's because your body's in that fighting stage, which is why you're getting the inflammation. Yeah, it's it's essentially what happens when the virus starts to utilize heart cells for replication. Uh, you get a, a an inflammation at that area much as you know the the dangerous part of covid is lung inflammation which causes uh, fluid buildup and prevents you from breathing right well that's what's been said from the beginning that it's not the virus itself that's dangerous it's your body's response and this is this is also somewhat why i don't really give a shit about uh, covid is because i take medication that literally makes that impossible like my my lungs cannot fill with fluid uh because of uh one of the drugs that I'm on so it it's a uh not for covid this is like a just completely random side effect uh, of something that I I take for diabetes so it's a it's one of those things where um you have to look at the mechanisms and the mechanism in covid well, yeah, with the for morbidities and the yeah, 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 exactly. Um, the more, the mechanism for COVID and morbidity is tied to that particular thing. O- other than the inflammation of the lungs that, that could result in your lack of ability to breathe. Which is bad. COVID is completely benign. Yes. Like, it's not going to kill you. Right. Other than that. Right. Otherwise, you'll, you'll be sick like you would be with the flu. And uh, Yeah. And, and ver- this is the other thing that people have to remember is that uh, things like a runny nose 
and a high temperature of fever uh, is not the virus. This is your body's response to the virus. Right. The increase in temperature is both a, a part of the result of an increased meta- metabolic activity, but also uh, an increase in temperature decreases the ability of a lot of um, a lot of the infectious materials from uh, replicating. So, changing the pH, changing the temperature. Uh, changing the um, the availability of uh, sugars. These are all three things that greatly affect the outcome of any kind of viral infection because it, when you change any of those, and this is incidentally also why hydrogen peroxide is really good at killing viruses because it changes the pH in the heartbeat. Uh, it, the, changing these factors will oftentimes prevent or greatly limit the replication capabilities of these viral infections. So, um, you know, you're, you're, it doesn't feel good to have a fever and then fever can potentially be dangerous if it goes up too high for all of your cells, like your brain, right? It gets too high for too but, long. Yeah. Uh, if, if you can, uh, if you can control the amount of time that you have a fever, and uh, back in the old country, we do that with a sauna. Right. And typically, and this is something those like Americans have a hard time believing, but the temperature in the sauna that it, like I would have gone to often uh, as a kid is 170 degrees. So you, you go and you sit in this 170 degree heat, you're breathing it into your lungs, you're greatly increasing your body temperature but for a short duration right and i remember when covid first started there was a nurse who did a video and it's like this is what you do you go into the shower you turn it up as hot as you can and breathe that in and yeah or another way of doing it is you uh you can bake or boil potatoes and then put a towel around them and then just kind of stick your nose close to the top as the moist air from the potatoes uh right goes up it's it's very hot breathe that in and smells better than hot water too Smells like potatoes. Uh, but the, like going and sitting in the sauna was always the first step anytime you sort of got the sniffles or a sore throat. Because quite often, by changing that temperature radically to a very high temperature for the short term, uh, you're able to reduce, if not eliminate, the, uh, the viral infection uh, because you're you're preventing the replication from happening uh, in the rate that it normally would. Right. You're kicking your body's immune response into overdrive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then conversely, if you let your body get too cold, why do people have more colds and flus in the cold winter months? Uh, Because your immune system greatly slows down its ability to actually function as the body temperature goes down. And uh, for anyone that's living in a cold climate, there are plenty of instances where you don't have gloves on, you don't have a hat on. And during those, uh, you know, when, when that's the case and it's cold out and you're outdoors, you may feel like you overall are just a little bit chilly, but you're fine. But your hands may be at 80 degrees instead of 98 degrees. You know, the, the your your head 
may be dumping so much heat out that your body's having a hard time keeping up with maintain with maintaining standard human temperature. Right. Uh, and then it stresses itself trying to level it all out. Well, it stresses itself, but you're also retarding. If you cool down your body, you're retarding the mechanism that is responsible for fighting infections. So the infections are always there. Like the, there's always tons of stuff in the air, uh, from viruses to bacteria to fungus to mold to all kinds of crap that is always in the air that we're breathing. And we've adapted as organisms for millions of years to be able to counter these things, to fight them. But we're not preventing them. They still exist. All we're doing is we have the mechanisms in place to be able to deal with these types of infections. And it's when this is why AIDS kills people, right? Is because it affects the immune system specifically. So when you, when you retard your immune system, you end up uh, being much more susceptible to the same things that were always there. Right. But now they make a bigger difference for you because now you can't fight off a common cold. Yeah, and the results are not good. No. So, you know, I mean, honestly, I think, uh, again, this is not medical advice, but the best, the best type of, uh, of, um, God damn, I'm blanking out again. Uh, the, 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 I don't know. Uh, I shot. The, do you the, have, do you have COVID gene? Is it I, you know what I have is I, I definitely have some memory lapses going on right now. The Uh-oh. short-term memory is just like turning to shit. That could be COVID. It, could it be COVID? Oh, maybe yeah, did you COVID. check your O2 stats? If your O2 stats are down, your short-term memory could be suffering. Oh, I need to do that. I should probably check my O2. I know I'm running pretty low on CO2 right now. No, I usually want, try to want, keep that you, above you a thousand. O2. Yeah, you want O2. Well, you want O2. I want <laughs> CO2. <laughs> what you want to do is boost. You want to boost us. Uh, Yeah, you could do that, too. Do do we have the boosting set up now? We do have the boosting set up, and Mm -hmm. we do have a couple people to thank for today's show. We are a value for value podcast, and that includes our locals. Well, before we thank them, though, I remembered I was thinking of the word vaccine. That's a hard (laughs) word to remember. You forgot vaccine? I forgot vaccine. That's too busy explaining things. So, again, not medical advice, but the best vaccine you can possibly do is what Joe Rogan did, which is get COVID and get the proper treatment for COVID. And now you have natural full immunity. Yeah, because your body knows what it's doing. Now, if you're somebody that is 80 or 90 years old, that even getting the thing could kill you, then you might want to actual do something before then. But for most healthy younger people yes that would make a lot more sense with kids oh, joe rogan's older than we are that we have he's in better shape They're, that's true that is true <laughs> for, Good point for kids yeah i would not if i had a kid under the age of 18 i don't well, think i, I would, would be getting totally, him vaccinated i would i would no i would get them infected instantly right. that's yeah. the best thing for them uh, because kids have a hyper immune system what why do you think rich people are doing uh, blood exchanges with teenagers. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, transfusions. Yes, I've, I mean, yeah, I've seen exchanges. this. There was a. Uh, oh, this is like a normal a thing. Yeah. Everybody I know in California is doing this right now. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing that in the show. Was it like in the, Beverly Hills 90210 or something? There was a storyline at one point yeah. that they were doing. No, it, it's doing transfusions with, you know, young, healthy adults. They're basically children. 
is a very common practice for rich people in California. Because they believe it keeps them young and healthy. And then because it works. Um, and, and part of what that does is it brings over a lot of the uh, immune cells that are in the blood, the white blood cells. And it helps to maintain a higher immune level in the older rich person. I want to take your blood. Yeah, uh, it's a thing. Um, you know, I, I, I always thought that True Blood was a documentary myself. <laughs> See, I believe that. Mm-hmm. I do believe that. Just waiting for that Japanese company to finally start manufacturing True Blood. Just wait. It'll happen. Everything will happen eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I, my problem, I just never liked the taste of it. Of drinking somebody else's blood. Yeah. That's when you just, infuse it. You just goes right not, in appetizing and uh i don't know i guess you can you know do stuff with it but i do like my my uh steaks to be barely cooked i was just gonna say that if a nice big porterhouse there's a little runny there yeah i mean i i I do like that but to just drink straight blood is just it's an acquired taste yeah eating the flesh way better than drinking the blood i believe so yes yes I mean, now you can make some good stuff like blood sausages and like the Irish, the black pudding, that it's kind of stuff. not really good stuff. That's disgusting no, stuff. No, it's delicious. Mm, no. I come, you're, you're from Russian background. You don't have that hearty stomach. When you're, it just, I don't know. What has happened to you, Gene? Blood sausage? Yeah, you should be loving not that kind of stuff. Tasting. Not at all. should be loving that. But we do love the people that support this show. And coming in first and foremost today, Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley with 25 bucks. Which, hey, is a, hey. which is a monthly thing, so there's no note attached to that, so we appreciate that. All right. And we got some streaming sats from our buddy CSB from what? Location Unknown. CSB? Yes. Comic Strip Logger. Oh, that's right. I forget who that is. He is uh, the guy behind the AI podcast, AI.Cooking. And he was like, okay, I'm going to try sending you a boost. And then he sent a message, a boostagram. And mm. I'm like, oh, I didn't have that turned on. Sorry. <laughs> so he sent in like 3333 and as in a boostergram. And I'm like, oh, I can't get that. So he sent another one and it worked. And I was glad because then I know it's working. Um, these boostergrams are kind of, I was thinking about this because we were looking for a system and this isn't ready for prime time quite yet, but we mm-hmm. were looking for that system of being able to get comments live yeah. when we're doing shows. And it looks like now, the source that does the all the Satoshis for people who sign up. I mean, you can do mm-hmm. this yourself, but Satoshis.stream now has a thing built in. Well, it will automatically forward boostograms, which are messages. You can set a minimum amount that people have to send you in Satoshis with a comment. But if they have that level, so as long as there's enough Satoshis attached, you can set it to where these boostograms, which are just messages coming in, will automatically go into your Discord channel, which I thought was interesting. That's interesting. I don't know that it's horribly useful, though. Not yet. I mean, because it comes right through to the here, like, here's, here's my little little bitch about the whole dance thing. Like, I love the concept, and I think if used for what it's meant for, which is for people to just have it to automatically turn down that whenever you're listening... There's some sats streaming to the other party. That that is great. Love that part of it. But you gotta remember, because they're sats, most people have no clue how much money they're actually sending. 
Yes, they see like I'm giving 300 sets. That's and rocking. They, like like 25 sets per minute. That sounds great. Yeah, sounds like that's a lot. less than a penny per minute. Yes, well, way less, I think. Than and penny. so, consequently, well, it depends on where Bitcoin is today. But true. Consequently, a lot of people think that, like you said, sending 300 sats or something is like, oh, I'm donating. Like, well, I I appreciate the thought, but not really. No, you're not. Um, it would now if you have a show with a million listeners, then those 300 sats are absolutely going to make a huge difference. But when you look at the costs involved in the back end of that whole system, uh, which is the revenue split from the app you're using to the provider that's hosting to the multiple hosts potentially that are on the show to uh, people that are doing transcriptions, getting their piece to yada, yada, yada. That the 300 sat donation ends up being a lot less than that in the end. And then it comes to the service, like the one you just mentioned. Uh, so in order to rate. receive the sats, and I think the one you're talking about doesn't actually take anything when you receive, but it takes 20% when you cash out. No, they told the, the Satoshi's that stream takes 3% and 1% goes to the podcast index. Now there may be, I think they take 20. I'm pretty sure they take 20% when you cash out. When's the last time you cashed out? Recently, which I don't think there was. And they didn't take it, really? Because that I could have sworn that used to be what their standard was. I don't that, believe so. But right now, 300 sats is 17 cents. Woo! 17 cents. Yeah, three. so that's like not nobody does that I've seen 300 sets a minute. People do like 10, 20, maybe 25. Uh, yeah. So 30 would be 1.7 cents. Yeah, 20. Yeah, let's see. So, uh, so that'd be like 1.2 cents. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, so yeah, 30 would be 1.7 cent. So, mm-hmm. per, you know, which is, is great. So, if you have an hour show, you, you can make 60 cents. Yeah. Which, again, if you multiply it by numbers and majority of the people that are listening are doing this, yeah, that's fine. That, that there's no, uh, it's not a bad thing. It's just, very different from somebody that sends a $25 check-in. Correct. No, or somebody that joins locals for, and you the, know, uh, the fact that they're using the Satoshis rather than setting that in the dollar or whatever their local currency is, mm-hmm. is also confusing. Because I would much rather have a system, and this is all just what's on the front end of this, because you can still use Satoshis as the method, but if somebody sets... I want to yeah. give five cents a minute. Well, it just says, oh, what's the current rate of Satoshi to five cents? And then send yeah. that. Yeah. And I just took a look here. You are correct. The Satoshi stream withdrawal fee is 4%. So that's not bad. That's not too bad. But again, it's one fee amongst a variety of fees. Well, yes, because you then have to take that and send it to another wallet. And then if you want to convert that to Bitcoin, you're doing another conversion, well, which is if, taking some if out. If you're... Uh, well, if you want to convert it to U.S. dollars to actually, I don't know, say pay for a podcasting service right? Uh, for hosting, uh, you're absolutely taking more percentage of that. So I think there are, I, I love the idea. I want this to be ubiquitous. And frankly, everybody can afford it because it is such tiny amounts. Um, but at the same time, I want to make sure that people that are not familiar with what a sat is understand just how tiny a fraction of this is. 
And for some apps, you can actually flip it over into US dollars. So they'll do the conversion for you. So you can instead say, okay, stream five cents instead of, or stream one cent or stream a buck if you're feeling like it, rather than the Satoshis, because the Satoshis are somewhat, uh, unless you're like used to dealing with Bitcoin, they're just a current, it's like saying, let's do everything in, in Chinese, uh, yuan or something. Yes. And if you're listening to us right now on the old RSS feed from Grumpy Old Ben's and you boost, well, that's going to go to the Grumpy Old Ben's wallet. So you really want to go change your podcasting app to the why, new Why would RSS it go feed. to the Grumpy Old Ben's wallet? It should go to this wallet. Because we're still posting it on Grumpy Old Ben's and Grumpy Old Ben's is on a different URL, which is how the well, Satoshi stream that. works. But that's how the Satoshi stream works. With that said, uh-huh. the Grumpy Old Ben's for the length. Administrative conversation after the fact. <laughs> for the length of the podcast, 695,940 Satoshis were brought in. Yeah. Which is a $394, which isn't bad. Yeah. Over the course of what, a year? Yeah, at least. So, yeah. you know, this, this is not quite the. Uh, yeah. I, it's again, it's cool. It's, it's worth doing. And if you're using one of those apps, by all means, but, show us also, we're wrong and boost, boost a lot. But also, uh, if if you want to support us going to uh, the local site or sending a check or a PayPal, those are all options as well. Yes, which is unrelenting.locals.com. Or just go to unrelenting.com. Unrelenting.show is the main site. And then you can link to all the other things I just mentioned from there. Yes, and I do need to go and add the uh, the crypto stuff there if people want to do the crypto. Oh, I thought thing. that was on there. That's not on there yet. The no, not the crypto yet. I was just. Well, doing how the that. hell does uh, CSB send you crypto? Then he's sending it to the old wallet. Oh, the old wallet, and telling me it's there. CSB, stop sending crypto. <laughs> let's let's get this fixed first. We like the crypto, but not in the wrong wallet. Although all of the crypto is going down, and I'm like, I should have really sold off everything like four weeks ago. It'll go back up goes up it goes down i know there's been talk of some groups that are now uh blocking people in the united states because of the new regulations coming as part of this big infrastructure mm-hmm. whatever they're calling it there is stuff buried in there about crypto which is going to probably screw things up for a while but i agree it's it's still much too early to to worry about anything and we'll dive further into the whole crypto thing in future shows, I'm sure people will tell us why we're wrong. But that's okay. In the that's future? Okay. Yeah, they'll tell us in the future why we were wrong in the past. That's yeah. what people do. They're, we're always wrong. But uh, it happens. I thought this was interesting in the stories. There have been a lot of them lately about the massive robberies going on in stores now. Not just like one or two people mm. jumping in, like masses of like 80 to 100 people. Mm-hmm. And the response of San Francisco. Mayor London Breed, in all of their infinite wisdom, and this to me shows you that this is a part of a bigger scheme, because the response to this is now they're not going to allow cars into this area of San Francisco mm. where all the shops are. So you can't steal a lot of stuff if you don't have a car, right? No getaway car. Well, you know what? I I might be all for that because cars kill people. <laughs> well, yeah, Walker Shaw, baby. I think we ought to just ban cars. 
But this is where they wanted it in the first place. I remember talking I about mean, this. I mean, if you don't have a private helicopter or plane, maybe you shouldn't be driving a car. Right? I remember talking about this at least a year or two ago, how London was one of these cities that was like, well, we're just going to close the city off. I think Paris also, we're just going to close the city off to cars. You know, there'll yeah. be cabs and stuff that can run in the city. But if you're coming in from outside of the city, uh-uh, you, you can't bring your car into the city. Yeah. This is what they want. This is part of that socialist utopia. This is part well, of you okay. need to go on to mass transit rather than having the individuality to have your own car and drive wherever you want. But I can kind of see an argument for that for the city, because here, here's my example is a large shopping mall. And so there were like the Mall of America that I've gone to plenty of times, for example, is a very large shopping mall. And yeah, so there used to be a Knott's Berry Farm and Snoopy thing in there. There used to be, and then they, they couldn't make any money. Those bastards. So, yeah, I mean, it's a second-tier franchise thing anyway. So, well, anyway. Yeah, That's why it was in Minneapolis. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but all the sculptures of the Snoopy critters got preserved from that. They well, that's good. But got bought up by large companies to put inside their office buildings. So... My point was you, you get there, you, you park in the parking lot and then you either walk or you take escalators or elevators or other public transport, essentially, to get around the place. And this place is certainly not the size of a city, but it is fairly similar to the size of downtown of the little city that I lived in when I was going there, which was Chaska, Minnesota. Uh, a city probably nobody's heard of, but many of you have seen. Uh, Chaska, Minnesota was where the movie um, Grumpy Old Men was shot. And so if you see the scenes of the, the central square with the gazebo and the quaint little buildings uh, that look like they were built uh, 100 years ago, uh, the butcher shop, the, the you know, a, a specialty little stores. That's where I lived. Nice so, little picturesque town. It certainly was back in the 1950s. So it's a cute little city. And I think that um, the, the Mall of America could fit over that whole city and cover most of it. So when you say that you, you got to be able to drive a car through city, well, okay. I think that you certainly should be able to drive a car to the city, but inside the city, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about this because to me, it's just an overgrown shopping center at that point. I see it as being more nefarious, but I mean, that's okay. I think this is again, a, or at least only drive an electric car and like right. not other cars. Well, that was Biden's answer to something where it's like, we'll just get an electric car because you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's the solution now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, here's why I think the electric cars are a good thing, and it's not what you think. I think the electric cars are good because they're going to bring down the the power grid. So you want the, you want the power grid. Come on, you went through this last winter. Yeah, I did. And the only solution for not bringing down the power grid is nuclear power. Ooh, I want uh, nuclear power. So vehicles? to get nuclear power, no nuclear power grid. Okay. But to get nuclear, nuclear power vehicles would be really cool. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> then we're living in the Jetsons uh, lifestyle, right? Yeah. Uh, I want it. But, but 
if it takes bringing down the grid for the laws to be changed and more nuclear plants to be built, then so be it. It's worth it. Yeah, you may not be wrong there. We I mean, need it'll change. be inconvenient, but that change isn't going to come unless there's an actual need for the change. We need and change. Yeah, we do need change. We need hope and change. Nothing that a communist revolution won't bring us, Gene. Yeah, and well, communists are not particularly good at satisfying the needs of the people, though. No? No. I never noticed that. Well, you gotta read some books. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I always Jordan, say. Jordan Peterson has a few. Find anybody who came from a communist country that's going, hey, hope the United States really keeps going down this path. Yeah. Well, and I'm getting... Closer to Mexico every day. So, what you, you know, you, once are you moving US, your house? How are you doing? Once, this? yes, I am. <laughs> once the U.S. goes full communist, then I'll be living in free Mexico. Gene, you're just sneaking your house like one block down each time, each day. No be- one's going to notice. No, wouldn't notice at all. Do you got anything else for this beautiful Thanksgiving special? Yeah, I was going to talk about a couple of TV shows too, which I forgot to do last week when I was going to do that. It's the media report. Uh, sure. So I've been watching Morning Show. Oh, the one with Jennifer have. Aniston, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should I be yeah. watching this? I mean, I like Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, Reese if you like Jennifer, it's it is not enough comedy and too much drama, but it's a pretty good show. It, the acting's good, the writing's pretty good. Um, the acting's actually really good, and I think you also very quickly realize that Jennifer Aniston is an actress, and Reese Witherspoon is not, and. um Oh, and actually, uh, plenty of people are not really actors. They just work in Hollywood. And they play themselves every Yeah, they show. play themselves. Exactly. There's basically just playing yourself is not acting. And um, in this show, I don't know, for it's not really a spoiler because it's literally the first episode. The show starts off with one of the non-main characters, but who is pivotal to the plot, wakes up in the morning to read in the news that there's a story published about his womanizing. And of course, womanizing these days means you're harassing women. Of course. I mean, or and just asking them. Yeah, out on a it's, date. it's basically a story about O'Reilly and the whole show is just kind of based around what happened at Fox. Um, but it's, it takes a pretty good look at what that's like from the perspective of the guy. And how everybody else deals with this topic. And uh, the show is, um, it's on HBO, I believe, right? Yes. I think it is. No, it's yeah. Apple Plus. Oh, no, Apple. You're right. It's on Apple. It's on that. And uh, Steve Carell, by the way, does a very good job acting in there as well. He's he's actually the bad guy. But oh, it's nice. a bit of a, a stretch for him to be playing that character because he's usually the lovable good guy, right? Yeah, and the comic, the funny guy. Right, right. And here he is in a drama and playing the bad guy. Um, but, you know, a bad guy, clearly a guy with faults, but you kind of wonder if they're getting overblown. But in this current season that's playing right now, which I think we're at the end of season two, uh, they're just getting into COVID because the show is basically runs a year behind where we are right now. So the way, I mean, on purpose, right? It's not like it was filmed back then, but they're, it's, it's, it's near past, near alternative past right. is what I would classify it. Um, 
but I think it, it is interesting enough to watch. Uh, and it, it has, um, it's basically a female cast. There are very few men in it and it's, it's showing the, the seedy underbelly of the news business and what is involved and what, what sort of things the news industry is focused on. Now it isn't a show made by conservatives. So it's not like completely lambasting that whole industry. It's trying to point out all the good things in it as well. But I think it's an interesting show. So if you're not watching it, uh, season one and most of season two is now online on Apple TV, which I think everybody got Apple TV when they bought an Apple product, so phone, computer, whatever. Uh, so you probably already have access to it. Otherwise, if you don't, I think Apple TV is like 10 bucks a month, maybe nine bucks a month, something like that. It's not, it's not as expensive as HBO. I'll definitely say that. Right. Or you could find it somewhere. There are places. Well, certainly not illegal ones. You wouldn't want to do that. No, of course not. Um, the verdict but, is in, in the Ahmad Arbery case, all three men guilty. Interesting. Which, what case? Ahmad Arbery. Which one's that? That was the one in, uh, was it Georgia? Where the guy was out, you know, running from a house or something, and the three guys followed him, and then the guy went and tried to grab the gun from the guy, and he got killed. Mm. Did not follow that. Well, it's another big case. This was the one mm. where BLM was outside saying if these guys were uh, if these guys were written housed, there was going to be unrest in Georgia. Yeah, yeah. That's I guess that's the bottom line is what we need like a, a hundred thousand written houses right now. <laughs> we need a hundred thousand men willing to stand up and do what's right. That's and rough. not. And not just kick back and say, well, I can't afford to lose my job because I have a family and kids. It's rough. I mean, I get it. The people that were around during other periods of, um, uh, of this 80 year cycle, social unrest, they had to choose whether they were going to be defeated or whether they were going to fight for what's right. And whether it was the American Revolution, whether it was the War of Northern Aggression, whether it was the World War II, all these things required people to make a choice. And sometimes the choice was um, either get conscripted or you go to prison. But nonetheless, people had to make a choice. And some people chose of their own accord early on. And I think. Kyle Rittenhouse is one of those men. Stand up and be counted. Stand up well, for what you think is right. Don't. And self-defense well, yes. is always right. There is no wrong self-defense. Well, there might be, because that was, I think, what they were arguing in the Arbery case, that the white guys were attacked. The black guy came after the guy. White guy had a gun, but then the black guy you know, attacked him, which was very Rittenhouse, if you think about it. But it was a different result, and I'm sure this will be lauded as a completely different thing. And the system, this is where everybody in MSNBC will say the system worked, even though they told you two days ago that it didn't. Mm-hmm. So why does it work in some areas and, and not in others, especially this jury it said was mainly white? So I don't know. I guess then we're also going to have people on the far right 
making the point that, well, the jury was obviously intimidated by the BLM out front saying if they didn't convict these three guys, you know, this is the problem when you have this kind of unrest that any of these cases, the case can be made then, well, they they just sacrificed these three guys so the town didn't get burned down. Mm -hmm. And, And you don't know if that's true or not. Well, not unless you're on the jury, yeah. The case can definitely be made that that has to be a uh, a factor if you know that's going on, which is why all these juries should be sequestered and kept out. You know, no cell phones, no phone calls. Uh, oh, you can't do that, dude. No one's going to be on a jury then. Hey, I know it sucks, but that's the only way if you want honest and fair trials that you can get them. Yeah, I mean, I think on murder trials, sequestering a jury is not unreasonable, but you can't just sequester every jury. Well, no, not but for the ones that have a major uh, fallout that can happen with them. It's interesting, but uh, yeah, and every jury can be intimidated. I mean, that's an old practice that people from your town have done. It's, that's the beautiful thing about Chicago. I mean, we vote even when we're dead. We vote for we vote twice when we're dead. Mm hmm. Yeah, you walk twice for and and no jury has ever made the wrong decision. Not in Chicago. No. Nope. That's why we got to get Jesse Smollett back in court. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I hope everybody does have a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, and uh we're we're trying to have one right now as you're listening. If yeah, you're, the turkey's cooking. If you're listening on Thanksgiving. Anyway. I shot the turkey this morning, now the turkey's in the oven. Boy, you're a better shot than I would have expected. <laughs> Yeah, well, just when you don't have good eyes, you just you kind of randomly just shoot and you get lucky every now and then. So no choke on a shotgun. Right. Mm -hmm. Whatever works, Gene, whatever works. Yeah, I'm going to go bull hunting for one soon. But we will be back next week on uh, probably Thursday. Or or like a Monday, Thursday or Tuesday, Thursday, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. It'll be one of those. Just watch. At some point during the week, the show will be recorded live in front of a studio audience. Watch locals. Watch the website unrelenting.show. Watch our accounts at No Agenda Social. And if you missed the pre-show or you want to hear the post-show, definitely check it out. We will be posting that stuff on locals. Yeah, be a member. And I know a lot of people are complaining, but it's like Rakita Law. Scott Adams, dude. Everybody's on fucking locals right now, and there's more politicians going on locals every day now for setting up their accounts. I like I've been following, uh, what's her face? Uh, Good old what's her face? Yeah, and she's awesome, and I follow her on locals. (laughs) Candace Owens, or is it no, 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 no. the the uh, Hawaii chick? Oh, uh, Tulsi. Tulsi, yeah. Like I've been a, a member of Tulsi's thing on locals for years. So if you're on locals. Do yeah, us I'm, a favor. A, I'm a secret Democrat, apparently. That's what I hear. But if you're on locals, do us a favor and join our community at yeah. Unrelenting. Yeah, you can join the community for free. Uh, you can support us and two different levels on there. We honestly don't differentiate between the two right now. So even the cheap level gets you all the same stuff. Um, but don't do it to get access to anything. Do it because you enjoy the show and you think what we're doing is worth supporting. But for the people that are just bitching about having to sign up to locals at all, well, you can still keep listening to the podcast. And, uh, you know, if you want to support us in ways outside of local, that's fine, too. That's yeah, you can boost. Acceptable. Yeah. Podcasting, you can boost. Podcast just keep in mind com. that those boots boosts are like seven cents. Right. So but, boost a uh, lot. Yeah. Um, but in general, you know, we hope you enjoy this. And if you enjoy it enough to justify 
sending some money and letting us know you enjoy it, then we certainly appreciate that. And enjoy the Thanksgiving. We'll be back. It's a promise or a threat one way or the other. If the COVIDs doesn't kill us. Right. If the COVIDs doesn't kill us and the creeks don't rise. Gobble, gobble, folks. Gobble, gobble.